Welcome to the Saturday Podcast. My name is Brad Watson, and today's episode is about what God is doing in Latin America with Familia Soma, which is Soma's new endeavor, new initiative of seeing Latin America saturated with the gospel. And I'm going to be talking to Atanasio Segovia, who is the leader of this uh, movement now in Latin America. Lots of fun stories to share. Uh, before we jump into that, just want to give a shout out to the new study that we've launched, the Ephesians Bible study. You can find it on Amazon or at saturatetheworld.com. You can even get a free chapter of it at our website. This study, the the response has been really exciting. If you picked up this book, if you've been reading it, uh, man, we'd love to get feedback on it and how it's working. One of the best ways to do that is to fill out a review at Amazon. Uh, that's a great way for us to know how it's helpful. It's also a great way for other people to find out about it. Uh, if you still are new to this whole thing, I recommend listening to the last episode of the podcast where I sit down and talk with Ben Connolly about the importance of this study uh, and how it can shape a community and even propel it forward into all of the things that we talk about all the time. So make sure that you check out that. Uh, also, lots of great new content on the blog. You should definitely go there and see it. Lastly, uh, membership in the Saturate world is really uh, powerful. We just announced this last week to all of our members. We're giving them more and more resources, more and more videos uh, that you you don't have access to if you're not a member. So definitely check that out as well. Become a member of not only to get new resources, but also it, it propels the work that we're doing forward uh, by having your partnership. And with that, let's dive into today's episode. This is the Saturate Podcast. Saturate is committed to seeing a gospel movement happen in North America and beyond, in which every man, woman, and child have a daily encounter with Jesus in word and deed. This podcast is an ongoing conversation with disciples and leaders growing in the gospel and growing and living the implications of the gospel in community and on mission. Antanasio, hey. welcome to the Saturate Podcast. Thank you for having me. A second time, we were just talking about that. Yeah. One time I had you on and we didn't publish it. I know. I, I yeah. thought I did something wrong and you were just being like, <laughs> you didn't want to tell me that it was horrible. And right. Just gave me a silent treatment. So I'm sorry about that. My no. bad. That's classic. That's American passivity. I was just trying to be culturally contextual to Mexico. I know. So I interpreted it as, hey, you did really wrong. So let's not ever talk about it again. So, you know, we don't damage our friendship. So I was like, thank you. That's exactly how we did it. So uh, with that in mind, welcome back to the Saturate podcast. Thank you. You uh, are the director of Familia Soma, yeah, which has been around for six months mm-hmm. as we record this. A lot of awesome things have happened. How about you just share, though, first, before we get into any of that, a little bit about your story. It's a lot. There's no, there's no poquito story. There's no a lot of story. Stories. Yeah, but I, I guess I'll just t- talk about, like, the last chapter, which is, you know, what am I doing in Mexico? Yeah. Um, yeah, why are you here? There's two ways to answer that. The first one is I just feel like God wanted me to come to Mexico. That was two years ago. So when I got here, I did not know what I was supposed to do. 
Mm-hmm. I just knew that I was supposed to be here. I did not know where I was supposed to live. I didn't have a place where I was going to live. I thought that I would live out of a hotel for a while, mm-hmm. um, but I didn't know what I was supposed to do here. Mm-hmm. So landed in uh, Mexico about close to two years ago with my oldest son, Noam. And yeah, we were just waiting around to see what God wanted us to do here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but long story short, he connected us. Uh, we landed with a very loving family, Comunidad Mosaico, where I've been working with them for quite a bit now, for about a year and a half now, helping strengthen their church or yeah. our church. Yeah. And then shortly after that, yeah, God opened the doors to, to do something called Familia Soma with Soma. Familia Soma with Soma. That's right. Yeah. And uh, what is that? It's the full expression of the Soma family of churches. So it's not just the Spanish version or Latino version or the arm, uh, the Spanish arm of Soma, but it's rather like, you know, what if you were to take Soma from the United States and have it grow in Mexico, what would it look like? Contextualized, reflecting the cultural realities. And that's, Mm -hmm. that's what Familia Soma is. Nice. Yeah. And so you guys have been strengthening, helping this church community Mosaico in Lyon. And you've also been like slowly God's been connecting you with people all over Latin America, all over Mexico. Yeah. That's kind of crazy. It's a crazy story because before coming to Mexico, I had zero connections. Mm -hmm. I didn't really know anybody. Yeah. And over the last 12 months, I mean, God just opened up tons of doors through relationships. Mm. Um, so for instance, you know, he's opened up connections to at least three different major cities in Mexico, three different churches and they're friends. Now he's also opened up connections to other countries like the Dominican Republic and Costa Rica, you know, and mind you, I didn't know anybody here. So that's pretty crazy. Yeah, that is really crazy. Multiple countries. Now I think the other day you were saying trained a hundred people across these different places around the gospel about how Jesus is better. Yeah. His church is more than we imagine. Mission is every day. Yeah. We've been talking about that and people have been responding mostly to the Jesus part first, right? Yeah. Which even sharing stories of revival and pastors, leaders saying, I've not really heard this gospel before about, yeah, the power and the purpose of God's grace. Like that's pretty awesome. Yeah. And so you've been here for two years. You're also... Uh, in the States for a long time. You did Soma Sending. That's right. So Soma Sending success story. Class of 2017. Highly recommend it. (laughs) And one of the things that I think that's fascinating about you that uh, I think interesting for especially people listening is you've been faithful disciple of Jesus in a variety of contexts and places. Mm -hmm. And one of the questions we hear a lot is how do I live this out where I live. And usually they ask like either two ways they ask the question is like, well, that will never work here because I'm not like you, Brad, or my church isn't like yours. Uh, like that's just a very common question. Or the other way they ask is more positive. So I have this whole set of circumstances. How do I do it? And so I just, I mean, this is just on the spot, but I've been thinking you're a really good person to ask about principles like not necessarily you can use the Latin America, you know, environment to illustrate it, but like what principles should people use to take the truths and the principles that we talk about 
and then apply them in their lives? How do you, I guess that's contextualization, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I think first and foremost, you, you have to be living out what you want to teach, right? Mm-hmm. How, how do you contextualize something that is not part of your DNA yet? Mm-hmm. So if Jesus is indeed better, mm-hmm. how is he better for you? Mm-hmm. How is he better for your family? How yeah. is he better for your street? Yeah. So then if, if that's something that you're living out, not necessarily perfection, right? But mm-hmm. living it out, then wherever you are, it's just a matter of like, okay, so if I know Jesus is better, yeah. what does that look like here? And it, and then I would argue that if you spend, if you think about it from that perspective, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it is a principle, but it's also a principle that I embrace. Mm-hmm. Then it's just a matter of like, well, now I need to learn where I am and, and mm-hmm. where are the areas where Jesus is not better. So for example, Jesus might be better in some areas already in the States and that might be a huge realization, but there are some areas in Mexico where, you know, Jesus is already better, but other areas where he is not. That's a long way to answer, which is, yeah, you have to learn. I spent close to a year just learning, uh, Mm -hmm. meeting with people in, in, in Leon, Guanajuato and, and getting to know them. Um, and being sensitive to that, because I know that in my context in, in Mexico, people are not transactional. They're very relational. So mm-hmm. if I came in and like, hey, I'm going to teach you how to do things, right. that would have been offensive. They would have never told me that I offended that because that's not part of the culture, <laughs> but they would have never talked to me again. Right. So anyways, I think that's a huge part of it. To give you an example, right, what we consider Mexican food in the United States is not Mexican food. Right. Same flavors, but they are executed completely different, differently. So same, same principles, different palate. Right. <laughs> so in the States, we put queso, liquefied cheese on everything. Yeah. Here, they don't. They don't. Like, oh, that's not queso. That's who knows what. Who knows what that is. We yeah. We've never done that. So it's the same yeah. flavors, but you know, executed differently. Right. Yeah. And so when you're asking that question, like, what parts of my life, am I struggling to believe that Jesus is better than my work or Jesus is better than my, how people view me or Jesus is better than my security. Like that's, you're evaluating that with yourself. Mm -hmm. Right. And then when you turn it and face like with my neighbors, how do you evaluate or listen to people to find out like, Oh, this is where they need to see Jesus. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, a huge part of it is, you know, looking at their hopes dreams, aspirations, mm-hmm. and also their anxieties, the things that cause concern and depression and things like that. Right. And those are all telltale signs that they're, they're clearly in a narrative that, that shows that the world is not perfect. And mm-hmm. the only person that can fix that is Jesus. Right. Yeah. And that's where they, they really need Jesus and those things that they're still trying to control or seek after what, whatever they're putting their hope in. Exactly. Yeah. And they just don't know that Jesus is the better thing to put your hope in. Exactly. Yeah. What would you say, like, I mean, Latin America is a big place, so you could just answer for Leon and your experience so far. What things specifically does it look like with the people that you talk to that are areas where the gospel is breaking in or like where people are seeing? Or maybe the other way is the negative way is what parts are people like not seeing Jesus be better? Just kind of like culturally, like what are the big stumbling blocks for the gospel here i think in in mexico and i would probably say that's true of latin america is that the gospel that was introduced here was number one by force Mm -hmm. um so jesus right off the bat was not good news Uh, essentially religion was really bad news 
Mm. So that's one. And the second one is, you know, the, the dominant religion here start, established a very strong hierarchy. So, for example, um, though there's churches that are doing some amazing things and Jesus may not be better yet in their area of mm-hmm. how you display, you know, healthy authority, yeah. uh, healthy organizational structures. So, for example, something that is systemic in Mexico, and I would say true of most of Latin America is, you know, our systems do not work. Mm. Uh, government does not work. The police system does not work. Yeah. So anything that seems like a structure is seen as almost like a negative thing. Structures yeah. are not good news. They're bad news. So then in the, the way that impacts us as a church is, oh, you're trying to establish some sort of like hierarchy or systems and things like that that's probably really bad Hmm. so so that it's almost like how jesus is the really good king who actually serves Mm -hmm. and he didn't come to put you under his thumb he came to like free you from the the bondage and the, the hierarchy of sin even exactly yeah yeah. So, yeah, Jesus is, uh, you know, I want to say this carefully, but he's seen as a good savior in the future. Mm. But in the interim, he's far away. And those that are left to represent him right. are essentially priests, special people that can yeah. tell me what to do and not necessarily display how Jesus is better because the way they serve may not be modeling how mm. Jesus served his disciples. Right. Which is, yeah. So Jesus is some distant hope. Yep. But not a present person that anyone can know. Exactly. Yeah. So then what's left is kind of like, well, if Jesus is so far off and he is my king in the future. Yeah. Who here in this world is closer to him? Maybe he can like, you know, put in a good word for me. Yeah. Right. Like that might be the Mm -hmm. pastor in my church. So, hey, can can you pray for me? Because surely you have a, a deeper connection with him than I do. Right. Well, I mean, that just opens up the the doors of the church here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means that, you know, like like your church, Comunidad Mosaico, is saying, no, every single person is part of the body, belongs, knows God, has the Holy Spirit. In the body, you can see Jesus. Yeah. That's got to be then totally countercultural to everyone around you, right? It is. So I'll give you an example. We had some guests from another city that just came in for service one day. Sunday service and they came in and they're like, Hey, where's your pastor? And we're like, uh, well, there's, there's four of us here who, and they're like, no, no, seriously, where's the pastor? You know, we're like, Hmm, you know, and that's one thing that I appreciate about Mosaico so much is, you know, we take shared leadership very seriously because of that, because we believe that is the healthiest way in our culture to demonstrate like how leadership has been transformed by the good news of Jesus Christ. So we overemphasize that, like, Hey, we're not special here. Right. Like just because we have a microphone does not give us like some special connection with right. God. Our job is to simply like speak the truths of Jesus right at this moment. And then during the week, hang out with you, live it out and show it, model right. it for you. Yeah. Which has got to be so different. Even the other day we're in the center of San Miguel de Allende. Most beautiful. Uh, one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Super pretty. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. It's like Seville, but nicer. There you go. (laughs) And uh, there's a statue next to the cathedral. Mm -hmm. And you pointed it out to me. It was a monk, Mm -hmm. I believe. And he's putting his hand on a person who's clearly like an indigenous poor person made it in that statue. And it's like, well, this 
this monk is super holy and he's clearly really good. Mm-hmm. And then we're just these poor, lowly, even there's a hand, it, maybe pushing him down, maybe yeah. blessing him. Yeah. I'm not sure, but it's condescending. Yeah. I, I would say a statue like that in the States would not fly because right. the indigenous person is literally like almost like in the position of, of what seems to be like an animal, honestly. Right, totally. And that is an image that was handed off to mm. to to Mexico which was, hey, there's some very special people. Mm-hmm. Most of you should really just be thankful that we're here kind yeah. of thing. And unfortunately, that gets propagated in, right. in Christian churches as well, where even though they might not think about it, mm. you know, pastors are elevated very highly. Right. So, yeah. Which then like, yeah, the the power of the gospel or the power of Jesus to come to, I just, how how much good news is that to someone to be like, no, no, like, Jesus actually didn't come to push you down, but he came to serve you. And then he calls you friend. Yeah. And then he sends you about his mission and his kingdom and you're vital and yeah. you're crucial. Yeah. It's like, that's so, that's like different news for sure. Yep. But also, yeah, it just seems like such good news that the church, yeah. the church is you, not this institution or this person in charge of you. And that's been like a game changer, uh, a shift in, in, in the mental model to say, hey, no, you can't go to church. You mm-hmm. are the church. And explain the gospel from that perspective. It, one of the things I've noticed is people want to share it with their neighbors. We don't have to push them to do it. It's just like, hey, this are yeah. good news. Let me tell you about it. Yeah. So, you know, our growth has actually just come through relationships because yeah. of that, because the good news of Jesus Christ, they are good news. But one of the things I really want to point out as well, which is, you know, pastors, they're not being malicious. Right. It's almost like, oh, no, now I have to be this perfect dude. Totally. And I am going to shut shut uh, shut off from the rest of the congregation, because if they only knew that I am too uh, a person in need of the good news of Jesus Christ, that might scare my flock. Oh, absolutely. So it creates this huge divide between, you know, leadership or pastors and, and the congregations. Yeah. So then uh, you said earlier, you guys have, you have four leaders, prominent leaders, pastors in your church. Mm -hmm. Tell us a little bit more just about Comunidad Mosaico, because part of your strategic, uh, maybe I should put that in quotes because it's so relying on the Holy Spirit, praying and fasting. But what God's given you to do in this season is almost primarily focus on this church and continue to see it strong and multiplied. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about this Mosaico community. There's a video we'll share. It's a really good uh, video. Show notes. <laughs> uh, Mosaico. I mean, I, I can only explain it, by, explain it by God's, you know, orchestrating by God orchestrating the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I think it was about perhaps I don't know the full the exact dates, but maybe ten years ago, you know, uh, someone from the Pacific Northwest felt like they were called to plant Mosaico. Uh, in Leon, Guanajuato. And I, from my understanding is this person realized that right off the bat, you know, they needed to do something different. Mm. And my understanding of it is that this person went through some sort of training, maybe like summer school or something along the lines. I don't remember. Landed, planted this church radically different from the other congregations in Leon. Mind you, there's not many congregations, 1.7 million people (laughs) and 3%, 3% of them call themselves Christians. Long story short, um, fast forward to maybe two years ago, Two leaders were called up to take uh, leadership of, of, of the church, Brené and Haciel. And, you know, one of the things that I, I love about them is their humility. Mm-hmm. Uh, they realize, you know, they needed a lot more help, equip, yeah. equipping and things like that. So, um, yeah, the church kind of was just surviving, honestly, being there. Mm-hmm. They knew they were very different 
from the rest of the congregations in Leon, but they yeah. could not explain why. Uh, they knew that relationships were super important and being a family, being the church. Yeah. So that actually was very different from other churches to a point where, you know, they were called, you know, the people thought they were like a cult. Yeah. When I learned about them, I was like, well, if I'm being called back to Mexico, the first thing I should look for is the healthiest church I can find. Yeah. <laughs> and that basically took out every single other state. I'm sure there are some other healthier churches. Don't get me wrong. But uh, Mosaico, to my knowledge, was the only church that had, you know, uh, uh, the DNA of family servant missionaries. Uh, so when I came in here, I was like, yeah, the foundations are there, but, you know, we need to build on them quite a bit. Hmm. Yeah. And so now the church, maybe for, for context for people is a full like Soma church. It's a Soma church, just like my church is mm -hmm. in LA. Uh, and you guys have two missional communities, right? Yeah. What are those like? What does that mean? What does that mean here? Yeah. And like, what fruit are you seeing in the life of the people, I guess? So just a couple of things. Um, we have two missional communities. We started them about a year ago because we wanted to equip, you know, everyone to be able to experience and share the goodness of Jesus Christ. So, you know, we, we implemented missional communities. Now, what's different is that, you know, in general, Mexicans love being around people. They love family, right. friends and so forth. But conversations are very shallow, right? Mm -hmm. You don't press in too deeply. So one of the things that is different from, say, at least the missional communities that I experienced in the States was that in Mexico, we just want to hang out. It's right. That's normal. The thing that was <laughs> weird was getting very deep in things. That's right. the thing with that that was challenging. But we've seen a lot of fruit. Um, people wanted to be baptized, people that had been in the church for years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that As you got deep into things. Yeah. yeah. And then the question became, well, you've been around the church for such a long time. Why now? Mm. And they would be like, well, I just I really understand the good news of Jesus Christ now. And in mm. response to that, I want to be baptized. Yeah. So that that was a game changer. Um, the thing is different about it here, honestly, is that because we value family so much, uh, multiplying is mm -hmm. very painful. Um, right. Yeah. So, for example. Well, I, I mean, one of the things I just think about is like in Anglo-America, mm -hmm. family equals mom, dad, 2.5 children. That's yeah. a family. Yep. You know, so a missional community, when it gets over 10 people among Anglo-Americans. Yeah. It's, oh, my gosh. We're so, this is like a big extended family. Yeah. And so I've just, I've noticed that even in my interactions and travels, it's like, oh no, but in a completely different culture, family equals 30 people. Exactly. Like biological family equals 30 people at least. Yeah. So then extended family means like 60 or 80. Yeah. So I can see like, even in that. Yeah. And you're expecting. Like, why would I, why would I split my family up? Exactly. <laughs> well, and, and, and the thing is like, for example, like. You expect it to hang out and love everyone the same. So, for example, like, yeah. though obviously my relationship with my mother is super close, the expectation is that my relationship with my aunt and uncles is the same way. Right. So the way that we see that in missional community is that, you know, you easily have 20 people, 30 people in one missional community and they invite their friends. I would give you the analogy like Mexican homes. I don't know if you've seen, seen them here so far, but they seem like they're constantly being, you know, uh, they're adding new rooms to them. Hmm. And the reason for that is because your children, once they grow up and get married, the expectation is they're going to live in the same house. Yeah. So the way we see that in the initial community is like, why would we want to multiply? That makes <laughs> no sense. 
why can't we just all hang out here and add one more room? Right. So that honestly, it, it, that's been the most painful part. Mm. And we haven't done it yet, <laughs> though we need to. <laughs> that's so awesome. I, but that's also beautiful. You know, I think even some of the things that I've experienced in my own like drive has been, oh, I don't like having all these people here. We need to multiply. Yeah. Or maybe I'll just go start my own new missional community that way. I don't have to be around these people anymore. And the beauty of like just a strong family identity. But if I hear you correct, it's taking the cultural identity of family, Mm -hmm. but then making it about Jesus and our father who says, bring all your broken weariness, tired. And we'll, we'll talk about that and let the father be at the center of that, which I, that is a big difference. So you're not just saying like, Oh, culturally we do family. Well, we'll just keep doing it. You're saying even high value on family here. And the gospel still is countered. Yeah. Counter or deeper. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and then that's the natural reaction is like, hey, I want to invite my other friends and family right. to hang out and learn about Jesus. Yeah. So, yeah. Cause, yeah. Because for you guys, too, it's one of the strengths that I've heard about. We'll spend all day together tomorrow in Lyon with, with the guys. But that your church actually and your missional communities have tons of people who don't believe. Yeah. Who are hanging out. And participating in all that family stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, initially, I was like, oh, they're going to be super uncomfortable because, you know, we're going to be talking about certain subjects. But no, because they, they they love their friends and family. They just want to be with them. So there's a huge yeah. relational trust. You know, we have uh, a couple of people that have come in and, and they would consider themselves like, uh, for example, Jehovah's Witnesses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're there every Wednesday because... Hey, they want to be part of the family meal mm. and they're not pushing their doctrines or anything like that. They just want to be around. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, by God's grace, like we've been able to create like a, a welcoming environment. That's so awesome. So, yeah, it's been it's been really fun. We don't we don't have to try too hard. <laughs> you don't have to try too hard. <laughs> know. Every time we get to mission, we're like, oh, wait, the mission it, right. It's already in here. So like, all right, cover your ears because we're, we're going to talk about mission now. <laughs> well, I think that's what is so fascinating yeah we were i think laughing about it the other day it's like yeah in america you got to tell people like remember god isn't just for you like go make some non-christian friends and have deep relationship with them and here it's like what why is that a problem and we were even looking at our resources on saturate yeah saturate resources we have a ton maybe 30 percent are about how to help people live on mission in the everyday stuff of life yeah those 30% are almost entirely irrelevant for you guys. Yeah. I mean, because of it's so naturally happening. Yeah. So the challenge that we have is like, Hey, I already hang out with people I love that are not following Jesus yet. How how can I share this good news with him? So mm-hmm. we spend a, a huge amount of time of time talking about how Jesus is better. What yeah. and gospel fluency basically. Right. Well, how, how yeah. can you speak the gospel to your friends and family right. in, in, while you hang out with them? Because you are already hanging out, hanging mm-hmm. out with them. So, yeah, that's awesome. It's a whole different problem. A whole different problem. Yeah. yeah. And I think maybe even on that note, maybe the, the last place to go, like as you see all of this stuff take root here and you're just a servant in this church, right? Mm-hmm. Like you're just serving and caring for the, the elders who've come alongside them and you're serving this broader movement of Soma across Latin America, what do you need? Like, what are, what are the like challenges or yeah, because you're seeing tons of fruit. So then what do you need? 
Uh, man, that's tough. I, I mean, the, the mental image that I have sometimes is like, you know, I'm hacking away at the jungle going like, there's so much here. There's so much mm-hmm. here. But then it's difficult to convey that to friends and family in the States. And right. because it's it, they, because of their context, they, they use a different language, mm-hmm. right? Like metrics and expectations <laughs> and things like that. So it's yeah. that's a challenge because, again, like I'm so immersed in, in relationships here. Yeah. And so a long way to say that is, you know, and I keep saying that to, uh, the, the few days we've spent together is like, just come and hang out, see it, mm-hmm. like be part of it. Um, I'm right. convinced God would, would open their eyes. So I, I would just say more awareness of how how there's such a deep desire for the good news of Jesus Christ in Latin mm-hmm. America. So I Even think among the church, among the among church, the church and yeah. among the cities and the, that villages and towns. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had an opportunity to, to share the gospel with pastors that have been doing that for a couple of decades. Yeah. And they had not heard the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So there is a huge opportunity in Mexico. So to answer your question in a long yeah. way, I would encourage uh, anyone in the States listening to this, if they have connections in, in Mexico, like mm-hmm. part of it is before I ask, what do you need is let me come alongside of you. Yeah. Let, let me hang out, uh, right. spend some relational time with you mm-hmm. uh, to better understand that. But I guess would be resourcing <laughs> time, energy, effort, yeah. uh, financial resources as well. The reality is that, at least in Mexico, we don't have a huge infrastructure right. for systems. No systems. Because, <laughs> you know, so a huge part of it would be to create a healthy system and model it out. And that's right. what we're doing with Comunidad, with Comunidad Mosaico, right. which is, hey, shared leadership. You don't have to be scared of it. No one's going to like, you know, take over your church. Come and see that. Right. But the reality is that we have a bench of leaders, mm-hmm. but yet we don't have a system to train them yet. Right. So in our, in this context, we would need, you know, some pros that have done it in the States already that have mm-hmm. built the systems and come alongside of us for some time. Yeah. Yeah. And you, I know you have dreams of internships and residencies and also people from the States coming down and just spending a month here doing all sorts of just deep relational work uh, because it will only go as far as how deep it goes. Mm-hmm. And the depth here is not knowledge information given to you. Yeah, The depth is time and laughter and Exactly. Picking up on weird ticks that people have, like my, mm. <laughs> which, but you don't get that. And that's what's, yeah. I mean, that's what's so needed. And the, yeah. probably what's needed in America and what we need to learn to do. Not that metrics, like you were just saying, systems are bad. Yeah. But we need to learn that even when we're working with other churches, when we're working with people in our own churches, regardless of size. Yeah. Like relationships are always going to lead the way. Yep. Right. Yeah. yeah, metrics and systems, they're simply there to support right. that relationship. Totally. Like the very first thing Jesus does, the Gospel of Mark, after he says, kingdom of God is at hand, the time is fulfilled, repent and believe. Very next thing is, hey, dude, come follow me. Spend the rest of your life with me. Exactly. Hey, dude, come spend your rest of your life. <laughs> hey, dude. And then he does that yeah. for like three chapters. Yeah. Um, and then after a while, he pushes them away yeah. you know, to, go, to go out. But that's such a... It's not just like a weird, oh, that's cute. Jesus did that. Or that's cool that that's how it is in Mexico. That's something that we, like whoever's listening, deeply needs to learn yeah. and be reminded of. Yeah. And I think that that's a good posture to have, which is I'm a firm believer that by God's grace, the Mexican church has a lot to offer. Latin American church has a lot Absolutely. to offer to the States. 
Um, it's not just like, hey, we have all the knowledge and resources. Here you go. It's more like, well, we may have that as a strength, right. but there are some weaknesses that I would say would be highly complemented by the Latin American church. Totally. Yeah. Which is, I think, some of our dreaming is creating resources that are from your church and mm -hmm. what's happening here that wouldn't just serve your church in Mexico, but would actually serve people in the United States and yeah. even around the world. I mean, there's a question that, that I think the U.S. church should be asking themselves. There's millions of Latinos mm -hmm. in the United States. Yeah. How they got there, why they got there, who knows? But the reality is that right. God somehow allowed that to happen, if you will, orchestrated that. So right. why did God put you in a Latino neighborhood or has so many Latinos in some right. key cities? Right. I think that's a question we should be asking ourselves. Totally. And if you want to see, as we claim, in which I believe, I believe that we believe it, uh -huh. we want to see our cities saturated with the gospel so that every man, woman, and child can have a daily encounter with Jesus. Yeah. That will include Latinos. Yeah. Yes. And like, so in Los Angeles, there's four and a half, five million, depending on where you draw the lines for the city. Uh-huh. Uh, Latinos yeah, in, in my city. That's bigger than the city I grew up in. Yeah. I grew up in a city of 4 million people. Yeah. There, there's that kind of city just put here yeah. of Latinos. So we, do, we don't just need to ask, answer the question, oh, how are we going to reach them? Yeah. The, probably the earlier question is, how can we care? Yeah. And how can we learn? Yeah. And that's why what you're doing with Familia Selma is crucial for here and it's exciting it was like oh that's so cool whole new area where god's doing something with our our small little movement yeah but it also is crucial for us like oh there's so much that we need to learn for our movement in the states yeah 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 thank you you're welcome <laughs> that's so good anything else um yeah i mean i think just And I know that if we were to give all of the listeners a test, they would pass it. But like, you know, in <laughs> the book of Revelation, right? There, there's right. every tongue, every tribe. Yeah. Like, okay, so if, if that's God's desire. Mm -hmm. And I think in the States, it's like you literally have that without going overseas. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, well, God, yeah. how can we partner in what you're already doing? Right. And take and spending more time on that because... You know, we are supposed to be a witness to the world. And right. from what I see in the world, at least in the States, there, there's a lot more division, more problems now, mm -hmm. a lot more fragmentation. So I think it's a great opportunity to display that Jesus is better. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's so interesting because one of the the conversation starters that we we propose for missional communities often, you know, like discussion starter is, hey, imagine you, you 12 people are moving to this other country, what would you do? Like, how would you orient your life to, to reach that country? And people come up with like, well, we'd learn like what people do to eat and where they would go and how they dress and how would they talk? And we would learn how to do all that stuff so that we could embody it. And we'd have to move there and we would like, mm -hmm. but we'd also need to encourage each other and we'd need to see whatever needs there are and serve them so people can see that the news is good and hear that the news is good. Mm -hmm. And it's a great exercise, right? It's an yeah. awesome exercise. And then another thing we say is like, hey, you don't have to go across the world yeah. to be a missionary. You're a missionary on your street. Yeah. But if to be a missionary on your street means you have Latinos yeah. or Japanese people yeah. or Chinese people or whole Russians, whatever it might be, 
it might literally mean for you, you have to learn a new language. Yeah. And a new culture. Yeah. 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 Not just some exercise. What if I move to another place? Oh, I'd have to learn a whole new thing. Yeah. Yeah. Which we, we had a good dialogue the other day about, you're like, so how are you going to try to reach Latinos in Los Angeles? And I was like, uh, well, yeah, this is how we're fumbling around. Yeah. Uh, mostly me fumbling with speaking Spanish. Hey, hey you're almost there. Almost there. That's such an important commitment. That, yeah. I mean, if if our Lord and Savior did that, right? He literally came in mm-hmm. and he walked the world that he right. created, and he spent time where people were. Mm-hmm. So if we are trying to reach our neighborhood, it makes right. sense that we, even if there's Latinos or right. Japanese or whatever, like we, we might need to spend some time where they spend time as well right. uh, because we need to share the good news of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is high challenge, mm-hmm. right? What we just ended with massive high challenge, but I think there's also a high invitation as you're just saying about Jesus, like Jesus loves our cities more than we know. Yeah. And that there is a high challenge of, okay, I'm supposed to live all of life as missionaries. Yeah. And like, oh, I'm learning how to do that with my neighbors that are like me. Mm-hmm. And the people in my city are like me. And that's incredibly costly. Yeah. And then Jesus comes like, oh, now I also like lay down your, even some of these cultural identities that you cherish. Yeah. And even, and this is what I learned growing up is you have to lay down what makes you feel comfortable the most. Yeah. You know, like to have people in our house and to have neighbors in our house and go to other people's neighbors or in Portugal meant being less comfortable. Yeah. It's like putting down, you know, and I'm sure you experience it. My <laughs> experience like, every like, single day. <laughs> so the high, I guess, invitation of Jesus is like, find your life in me. Yeah. Find, find your identity in my family only. Yeah. Find your identity at my table only. See your whole life informed by the bread and the wine. Like yeah. that's such a, a beautiful, like lose your life, but be raised again. And it's an invitation to know Jesus in a deeper level, right? Like what's awesome about Jesus is he doesn't ask you to do something that he hasn't already done himself. Yeah. So there's a huge benefit of going like, oh, wait, so I now have to eat tacos every day. (laughs) You know, that might be sacrificial for some people, but. (laughs) What's wrong with them? (laughs) (laughs) There are some people. No, but the point being is that. In the process, you get to know your Savior a lot more, deeper, Mm -hmm. and understand the price that he really paid for you on that cross. So, I mean, what else? I I can't imagine something better. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, everybody contact Atanasio for how to do that. Uh, (laughs) He's accepting. It's interesting. You say you want to host internships here for the sake of reaching Latin America. And I think you've been envisioning, like, like locals coming to do an internship but you also have been asking we want americans to come here and do an internship yeah yeah maybe help a little bit but also we need to do an internship to learn how to reach yeah i mean the reality is if you're if if you're in a context where there's a lot of latinos Mm -hmm. hey uh, come to mexico to learn how to to hang out with latinos be comfortable with arriving late and all those things that we're known for so when you go to the states hey it's not new anymore totally so yeah and the power of understanding where someone's from yeah exactly it's really rich Yeah. yeah and not being able like well, I've been to Puerto Vallarta in Cancun, so I totally understand where where you're coming from. Yeah, that's not the same. <laughs> yeah, it's slightly different. I mean, I, I remember going to Disneyland and understanding what the United States was like. 
exactly. That's exactly how it works. Yeah, that's one of the things. Like people say, like I like Los Angeles. That time I went to Disneyland. Yeah, so great. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's Los Angeles. You might Angeles. not like Los Angeles. I love Los Angeles, yeah. but it's nothing like that. Exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks so much for joining us for this episode. Yeah. Well, awesome. thanks for uh, having me, and I'm so uh, thankful that we had to do it from uh, San Miguel de Allende. San Miguel de Allende and Guanajuato. 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 There we go. All right. Thanks. All right. Thanks. Today's podcast was edited by Ben Fort, and our theme music is written and performed by the band Mopac. Saturate's hope is to see one missional community for every 1,000 people in every city as we see the glory of God fill every person, every place, and every church. We participate in this vision by curating resources, training, coaching, consulting, and many more ways. Find out more at saturatetheworld.com.